And welcome to the Plant a Trillion Tree podcast. I'm Eva Monheim. And I'm Hal Rosner. We're both certified arborists, credentialed by the International Society of Arboriculture. The purpose of our podcast is to encourage tree planting and proper tree care for our urban forest, which includes neighborhoods, parks, and other open space. We'll also cover the importance of the already existing tree cover and the benefits. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Monheim Microphones. We'll be receiving our new Monheim Microphones soon, and we're very excited. Monheim Microphones designs and handcrafts top-tier studio microphones and preamps right here in the United States in Hollywood, California. Their incredible line of innovative microphones and designs are used around the world by everyone from podcasters to top-charting record producers and singers. They recently released their new royalty microphone, Monheim Microphones Unparalleled Excellence, monheimmicrophones.com. We are proud to announce that the Planet Trillion Trees podcast has received a silver medal award for a podcast series through Garden Communicators International. We thank Garden Communicators for the recognition. This podcast is being recorded on December 2nd, 2022. Mayor Tim Schultz has been a resident of Hatboro for over 20 years. Devoted to his community, Tim has served in the capacity of borough historian, a member of the Hatboro Tricentennial Committee, chairman of the Hatboro Holiday Parade, and the president of the Greater Hatboro Chamber of Commerce. Mayor Schultz also joined the National Mayors for Monarchs program in 2020, dedicated to improving pollinator survival across America. Tim is also the proud owner of Bright House Creative Services, LLC, and loves being behind a camera. In addition to his photography business, Tim is a realtor at Class Harlem Real Estate. Tim, along with his wife, DJ, and five children, have a passion for all things Hatboro and have dedicated themselves to improving the borough in every way possible. Tim's strong leadership and devotion to Hatboro community shines through his work as president of the Greater Hatboro Chamber of Commerce and now as mayor. Welcome to the Planet Trillion Trees podcast, Tim. We're delighted you could be with us today. Or should I say, Mayor Tim? You can say Mayor Tim if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) It has a good ring, Mayor Tim. Thank you. Thank you. And I will say to our audience that Tim is the very first mayor that has completed the tree tenders program at the Pennsylvania Horticulture Society. That is a kudos to you. Thank you, Eva. Appreciate that. We're excited also, Tim, because as we talk about planting a trillion trees, so much of that means getting city governments, large and small, involved in the process. Tell us a little bit about your background, horticulturally and otherwise, and how did you wind up as mayor of Hatboro? Yeah, sure. My background is sort of varied, colorful. Uh, I've been in sales, I've been all kinds of jobs, but I wound up as a photographer in the last five years, really mainly doing photography. But prior to that, I was involved with a lot of sales. And Hatboro, we have a 7,500 population, 
And it's a small enough town, one and a half square miles, that I feel is a populace that can be influenced about what we need to do for climate change. What has happened in the last couple of years is that the climate change situation has shifted. Younger people are, are embracing it. Older people are understanding it. And the climate deniers are just on the sidelines. But I've been thinking about this for a long time, since the 1970s, seventh grade, Mr. First science class about ecosystems. So I always wonder, why weren't we paying more attention to those ecosystems than we were, let's say, putting a man on the moon, you know, or um, space or engineering or electronics? So APRO, I think, is at a place where we can now meet them with our solutions. And there's a lot of people who are very excited about this. And I didn't know that until we started talking about it and getting people involved. Yeah, I was so impressed because the other week, just so our listeners know, there was a tree tenders planting through the Pennsylvania Horticulture Society. And Tim Sparrow was actively involved in getting 50 trees to plant in one of their parks. And I got there and I, when I say I got goosebumps, I was overwhelmed at the amount of people that turned out for this tree planting. And I remember you saying, I, you know, I got 50 trees when we were at the uh, training back in October. Actually, it was 80, 80 trees. You had 80 trees. Okay. Had 80 trees. Okay. So I remember you saying some big number. And here's this is like your first big planting. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's really taken on a huge amount of trees for his first big planting in Hadbro. For the purposes of our worldwide audience, maybe one of you guys could take a crack at telling our listeners what a borough is. So a borough is a type of municipality. It's not a township. Uh, it's not a city. It's a classification of a municipality. But basically, there is a borough council, uh, similar to commissioners on a township. There's a mayor, similar to, uh, I guess, the township manager. So that's the difference. And barrows, I've worked with quite a number of barrows. They seem to be much more, well, I don't want to say friendly, but also very tight knit. Yeah. They seem to be tighter knit because there are smaller communities and everybody knows everybody. Yeah, I would say it works to our advantage, especially with what the tree tenders have done with the trees. We can get things done quickly. There's not a lag time. We can move on things faster because you're right. We know each other. And that was what was impressive to me, that you had such a big turnout for this planting. So, and everyone who's listening, th this is volunteer. This is not paid. This is everything that's done here is volunteer. And that's what I was very impressed with. Young people too. Young people too, who are trying to get their credits for high school right. because they're required to have a volunteer part of their education. Yeah, and I think in our case, we had a unique blend. You're talking about volunteers. We did get a lot of volunteers, but we also got corporate buy-in. PHS has a corporate program, and we actually had AstraZeneca, people from AstraZeneca. I guess there was about 30 folks who came out on the Friday before we saw you on Saturday and planted 20 trees at the Penny Pack facility. And you talk about, you know, the borough and being nimble. Uh, we had our public works department actually dig out all the holes, 80 holes. And uh, I mean, that saves so much time. You know, if you recall, Saturday, we, we got the job done very quickly. So it was it was a good coordination with corporate, uh, municipal and, um, you know, our public works 
people. And that's that's a great partnership. And then the community on top of it. You know what was really interesting about the holes that were dug? And I had never seen this done before. They were front end loader holes and they were just about exactly the height of the... Yeah, like 10, 12 inches. For the bare root tree, yeah. right? Um, and the only thing that we really had to do is rough up the bottom of the hole because it had a little bit of a glazing on it from the front end loader. But it was a perfect size hole. And everybody was like, wow, we don't really have to do much digging. I think there was only one tree out of the number that we planted that had to have a little bit deeper hole because it was a bigger tree. Yeah. But other than that, everything fit into these holes, which I thought, wow, what did they do? Measure the trees? Did they, how did they do that? (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, hats off to our public works guys. They're just wonderful, very skilled, talented folks who know what they're doing. And they did it in short order. Very proud of them. So it's good for people to know how you could do it in a very streamlined way and get it done, get it over with. And boy, the next day it was so cold out. I don't even know how people were planting. It was below freezing. Yeah, it was a pressure packed couple of days. We did it in two days, 80 trees, uh, roughly 80 volunteers in two days. But I can't take credit for any of this other than I was a tree tender and we publicized it quite a bit. Carol Bruner, who's been a longtime tree tender, a crooked billet gardener club. She really was the fireball behind it. And then Alex Myers, our borough councilman, really took it and ran with it. So uh, between those two, we got a lot accomplished through the borough and through the town with volunteers, et cetera. And I also had heard that it was the biggest turnout that tree tenders ever had. Yeah, that's what I heard too. I don't know that for a fact, but 80 volunteers in total. So that's not bad. Tim, I'm wondering with your background as a photographer, have you seen images of the borough of Hatborough aerially? What you're seeing in terms of canopy cover, any data been sought out for you? I have not, Hal, and that's a good techie question that I wish I had an answer for, but I can tell you that we have four main parks in Hatboro, and this particular park that Eva took part in uh, on that Saturday was Eaton Park. It was largely cleared of trees when it was built, and in the past 40 years, I think a couple of tree plantings have been successful, but largely it's just a clear-cut field. The same is true with the other two major parks, Miller Meadow and the brand new Pennypack Elementary facility. There's uh, 15 acres of open field, but it's right next to a creek. So I'm not answering your question, but we have an opportunity here to plant a lot more trees, Mm -hmm. a lot more trees. And, um, you know, we, we got into the spirit of this. We acquired this property, this Pennypack property this year, and that added... 15 acres and increase our park size by a third. So there's an opportunity there to really go along with the National Wildlife Federation and, and you know, start to re-tree, re-green up our park area. So I think we're well on our way. We just got to keep the momentum going. This was 80 trees in November. Hopefully we're working on some Arbor Day, Earth Day projects for the spring, and we can do another planting hopefully in April. May I suggest that you can actually go to Google and get an aerial view of your township? Okay. And it'll be before your tree planting because you just planted them. And as Hal said, and Hal, you pick up from here, but uh, having a baseline of where you started and uh, where you're headed yeah. is proof of what you've done as a community. I did this with a student when I was teaching at Temple University. 
I had a student who was looking at tree cover in Chester County. And he was looking at the Big Wood, which is a place where a lot of people do research. And he was getting the percentage of shade cover for his project. And he said, I think if I contact Google, they will give me the aerial maps for that area that I'm working on for my research. Great idea. Great idea. And they will give that to you. You you just have to make the request. And you can even go back and see, you know, the progression from even before this planting. That would be very, very good to set your baseline. Right. And how do you want to chime in here? Well, only that I've learned really since starting the podcast that the GIS mapping of urban forests is a thing and it's substantial and it's powerful. You know, you mentioned Google. Well, data collection of our urban forests is right up there with reducing our carbon footprint and driving electric vehicles. I mean, that type of data gathering is going to save us. And looking, like Eva was describing, at your community and collecting images now at the end of 2022 and then progressively as the years go on, especially images when trees are in full leaf. Talk about rallying the populace. That becomes a a real motivator. Yeah. And I'm going to be remiss in in not saying I did take pictures uh, before and I took pictures after. I knew you would. Yeah. But but it's not the same as aerial. No, no, no. But we also did some aerial videos of our park system. So we have those at least in our system. But that's, that's a good idea. And that's why it's great to have a photographer as a mayor. You know, people don't realize that different professions really help to bolster the greening movement. In fact, early on when I was at the university, we were mapping. The Arboretum had never been mapped. So I was actually working with my students for mapping. And I was working on some of the very early technology that one of the former students was doing with Verizon. And we mapped all of our trees. And ours was one of the very first campuses to be mapped and on available for the public. There was no cost to it. And to me, that was invaluable. And we've had, and I, you know, Hal could tell you, we've had um, Planet Geo on, Ian Hanau, who is a specialist in gathering data for communities and for cities. Yeah, well, I will do it. I wrote down the info and we're going to do it. We'll, We'll get that information. And one thing you can't map as well is the deer population. Are you going to have to do a lot of deer protection in uh, Eaton Park? You know, that's a good question. We've got a we've got a bunch of deer in in Hatboro, <laughs> and I, I guess this isn't it's not unusual. When I was growing up, I didn't see many deer no. in this area. Yeah, but they're here. I think they're protected. I mean, I don't think we can go out and shoot them. You know, that that always worries me because there's some very big deer in this area. But I don't know about deer protection, to be honest, Hal. Well, I'm happy to talk more about it, uh, Eva, as well. But in our region, the Delaware Valley, uh, throughout the Northeast, the deer population has grown explosively. And the damage that they do, as I understand it, is mostly by the males in rutting season. Right. And the antlers need to be rubbed on, in this case, it would be tree stakes, but inevitably they find the trunk and the bark of the newly planted tree. So it can be fairly catastrophic. And there's some pretty simple systems that'll give you 
great protection. But uh, you, you might want to make a note on that, Tim, just to I will. get the volunteers involved with deer protection for what's what's going in. Well, okay. uh, Tree Tenders now has a standard that they put deer oh, protection on. So we put deer protection on. And we also use, instead of gator bags, we use diapers to put underneath the mulch to keep the trees moist so that, that those diapers will actually absorb rainwater, right. expand, and then hold water and release it slowly so that they don't have to go out every week with buckets to water, which is a fabulous thing. And I think that the new... The new technology that we have for planting trees is is amazing because if you go back 15 years, we didn't have any of that. Yeah. I'm, I think you mentioned, but tell us again, what's your borough's population, Tim? Uh, we're a little over 7,500 people. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you have a, a thriving Main Street community. Yeah. You have a great donut shop. You have... Yeah. My favorite radio station, RDV. RDV, that's right. It's awesome. Yeah. And I can barely tune it in here in Philadelphia, but I, I listen to it every morning. What is it like? I don't know the layout in terms of the streets. How do you feel about your uh, street tree collection? Well, we do have a shade tree commission. And uh, be quite honest with you, I'm not happy with the trees that are in our main street. Our main street is York Road or 263. That's where RDV is. That's where most of the you know Main Street businesses are. Um, we have trees out there, but they're a little bit neglected. I should say they're they're a lot neglected. So we need to rethink shading our our Main Street again. We have a rich history in Hatboro. We just celebrated our 300th anniversary in 2015. So we're an old town. You know, we have pictures in this century of York Road just completely tree-lined. So it's going to take a while for that. We are in the midst of looking at new development for several properties right now that will involve condos, uh, apartments, but also retail on the bottom. But we have to be realistic and uh, sensitive, I guess, to the new building to make sure that they are considering the greenery around the buildings. But uh, Right, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have your challenges on that. <laughs> As a Philadelphian, watching how the developers kind of run this city to a certain extent with what gets built. Um, right. Good luck with that, Mr. No, Mayor. I understand. I understand totally. We're we're revamping our, our ordinances right now for development, and the developers are not happy about that. And that's a good thing. That means we're doing our job. So. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is that, you know, even if you can't put a tree on the street, you could always put green on the roof. And, you know, there could be an ordinance for green roofs that every new building that comes in that has a flat roof or a partial partial roof like that should have a green roof on it. And it it would prevent your stormwater because you have you have a lot of creeks in your area. And I noticed that the park that we were planning in has a sizable creek and a sizable riparian area. That yeah, that's, that's a lot of trees. The Pennypack, Pennypack Creek, which is, you know, runs right into Philly down at Delaware River. You, we're very aware of that. After this catastrophic hurricane from last year, I know your area got yeah. devastated. Tornado, yeah. Yeah, and, and our sister neighborhood, Horsham, got devastated. We got flooding. That's what Hatboro is known for is flooding. Hmm. So we have several things going on at once. Uh, We just bought this property at Pennypack, and we want to do some stormwater mitigation. 
but we're also very sensitive as a community that we're just not going to knock down trees without giving thought to replacing the trees. So that that's our balance with this new endeavor right along Pennypack that was a little further downstream than where you were, Eva. But I do believe that trees are a big part of this stormwater mitigation, you know? Absolutely. They, they are. And people know that in this town and they're passionate about it. So there you go. We had a lot of success with uh, riparian buffer restoration, planting shrubs and trees along some of the most, I want to say, scoured creek systems in the state of Pennsylvania in uh, Cheltenham. And I want to tell you, we had gotten, I think the first grant was for a quarter million dollars and we put in thousands of plants and it certainly made a huge difference after a few years. You, you saw that and people became really conscious of it and being conscious of their own properties of planning, uh, making sure that there's buffers around their own properties. Was that along the Tookany Creek? Yes, it was. Yep. Yep. So you said, Tim, you weren't happy with the borough's street tree collection. Can you articulate a couple of the issues that have caught your eye? Well, a lot of the trees were planted and then neglected probably planted improperly, probably the wrong tree for the wrong space, probably not a space meant for a tree that size. Or So I think the tree commission needs to look at our street fronts. And and they, they are, they are doing that. But yeah. what this PHS tree tenders program has done for us, it's just re-energized a lot of our community into what is possible. You know, we planted 80 trees with 80 volunteers in two days time. So, you know, let's take that energy and take a look at where else we can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So often it comes back to those ordinances. And although I haven't read it, another sister community for you in the Philadelphia suburbs is Abington. Mm -hmm. And I believe that they have developed an ordinance with a lot of smart, invested horticulture, arboriculture types if you were to chase that down, uh, and also our listeners, because so much of tree preservation and establishment begins and ends with how that ordinance is written. Yeah, I totally agree, Hal. Abington's done a great job with their EAC, their Environmental Advisory Commission. I know a few of the folks on there, and they have been very uh, aggressive in passing some of these ordinances. So my hat's off to them, and I look, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of our inspiration. We have a two-year-old EAC here, and um, a little bit off topic, but, you know, the two things we wanted to do as, as an environmental advisory commission is uh, we got ourselves the RF100, ready for 100 power plan ordinance so that uh, our borough would be basically off the regular grid onto sustainable energy by 2035. And I really think that, that should go hand in hand with our environmental awareness and tree plantings. And so it's, it's the RF100. And then we feature the National Wildlife Federation garden certifications. We promote that. Uh, and part of that is Mayors for Monarchs. Right. It's a program I, I got with in 2020. Yeah, we want to talk about that. Okay. Uh, but... But all of this, you know, so we're, we're trying to give good advice to borough council to make sure they make the right decisions and uh, implement the right type of legislation uh, that would be favorable to, you know, both the environment and energy. Gotcha. Yep. Now, how do you push that information out once you have created that information? How do you push it out to your residents? 
so they're aware of everything that's going on. So we have a website, myhatboro.org, that we put a ton of information on, our meeting dates, information about the borough, everything. We have a Facebook page. You know, I, I think we do a really good job of being transparent and we're very progressive in pushing the information out, so much so that we've gotten a lot more attention at our borough council meetings, simply because we're encouraging people to come and, and hear their voices. And that that works up to a point. Sometimes it can be a bit controversial, but otherwise we do a good job of that. I was on your website and it's quite extensive. And I even saw some of your Barrows YouTubes. Yeah. Digging up the crooked billet capsule, time capsule. Uh, that was really interesting. But you know, I think that when you have a community that is behind your work, your community's work, your Barrow's work, right. it, you have a more cohesive community and you can get a lot done in a shorter amount of time, as you said earlier. And that, you know, Hal has seen working with the city. I work here in the suburbs with different communities. And that really makes a huge difference at that connectivity and making people aware of what they can do to make improvements within the infrastructure of the borough without having to cost the borough. They're taking care of it on their own property. Yeah, I think you're right. We have to convince people or we have to be advocates for people taking in account their own backyard. I guess I've lived here with my wife 20 years now and we've planted 20 trees maybe, and I have a quarter acre lot. It's not that big, but I'm, I'm actively encouraging people plant some trees, plant an oak tree, the best thing for caterpillars and, you know, monarchs. So I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm working towards that to get people more aware of their own backyards because that's where it starts. You know, um, we're running out of space and if we can do our own part in our own homes. You know, then we're, we're on our way. I'd like to and I think Eva knows a lot about this, uh, so she can school the both of us and our listeners. Oaks keep coming up as far as King of the Hill, as pollinators. Eva, what do we know about that? Well, they are wind pollinated, but they can be insect pollinated. But most of the time they're wind pollinated because they have the catkins and they're actually what we call monoecious. One house, but two separate entities for male and female. Okay. And the female flowers sit above the male catkins. They hang down on the tree. And then when the catkins start to move in the springtime, the way our winds are, our winds actually are, our trees and our winds actually adapt together. And that wind is just enough to swirl around and the pollen is light enough that it flies up and fertilizes the females that sit above the male catkins. So, you know, if we have a real rainy season and the catkins sit below the females and we don't have the proper wind and dryness that they need, you'll have years that you won't have the acorns. Where some years you'll have what they call a mast year, where you'll have an incredible amount of acorns and you think to yourself, wow, this is like acorn heaven. Yeah. And that happens in conjunction with the animal population in your community and your animals, especially deer and other large birds will, will mm-hmm. come and eat and turkeys, especially they love acorns. Mm. And so actually that is one type of pollination that happens, but 
some of the other pollinators, and I noticed that you planted these in your park, which I was really excited about, is a hawthorn. Yeah. Hawthorns are extremely important for pollinators, our native bees and our domesticated bees, because they have flowers that have male and female on the same flower. And what happens is the bee goes from that flower and goes to another flower. Some plants actually have to be cross-pollinated. In other words, that bee is taking that pollen from that one flower and taking it to another flower on the tree or to another tree of the same species. Usually bees will go out and they will pick one species that they're working with that day or that part of the day, and they will keep at it until they are completed for the day. And that's really fascinating to me because you can actually see the activity. And if you as a photographer and videographer, I'm sure... Go out there and take pictures of this and use that on your website. It's really engaging for people to see how this happens. And, you know, you can even do a little demo or talk about it or, you know, have Carol talk about it or someone in your community. But what I think is really important is that your schools connect the dots also. And I think that that's happening in Hatboro because I was working with one of your students. And at the end of our planning, he said to me, would you sign my paperwork for my volunteer hours? And I said, well, what did you think about the planning? He said, you know, I really liked it. He said, this was really, it was fun. And that's a good way to get them out there. Maybe the students couldn't even do a video of the pollinators and the activity that's happening now that you have trees there and what they're bringing to the community and the diversity that they're bringing yeah. with that and the other the other different trees that you've planted there. You had a range of trees. It wasn't just two different types. I think you might have had, what, seven different types of trees? Yeah, we had six different trees, and a lot of them are flowering trees in the spring. Right. Uh, so right. that's exciting, you know, so both pollinators and then we have oaks, swamp oaks and other type of oaks. So Right. The oaks were amazing. And we planted a big swamp white oak. And it was the circumference of these bare root trees for our listeners. Bare root trees, you can actually plant a bigger tree with less people in a shorter amount of time. And you have a huge root system. And it's, you can pick it up with one hand. And these were, some of them were over two-inch caliber trees. Hmm. And there's no soil on the bottom of it. So it's going to adapt much quicker because you're putting it in the soil that it needs to grow in. And right. it doesn't have any other thing to depend on. So it has to either sink or swim. Yeah. And in your area, you have really good soil. I noticed that you have a high percentage of clay, but you did have some loaminess to the soil that really makes a tree grow really well. Yeah, it was good soil. Everyone commented, you know, how easy it was. Easy it was. You know? There was not a lot of rocks. You know, no. we hit a rock and somebody goes, oh my God, I can't believe I found a rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a beautiful planting day. Yeah, it, it really was. It really was. So. so swamp white oaks got planted. What kind of hawthorn? Green. Was it a green one? Uh, yeah. Uh, Veritas. Veritas. Crataegus Veritas. Okay. Yeah, probably. um, Winter King? Winter King. All you nursery people need to start diversifying your hawthorn offerings. This one here happens to be exceptionally tolerant to uh, some of the rusts. I think that's the most important thing because if you have junipers around, you'll have the rust problem. 
And, you know, you want to make sure that you can attract a lot of birds. But one of the good things about a hawthorn is not only do you have the blossoms in the springtime for pollinators, but you also have those profuse berries in the fall that just attract so many different types of birds and even our little mammals like squirrels and chipmunks and things like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So at this time, we usually ask our question, what is your favorite tree? Oh, wow. Do you have a favorite tree or a group of favorite? Because you have five children. So I know you can't pick a favorite child. Right, right. So I learned something as we were planting. I'm a big fan of the maple, obviously, just for the coloration. And they're also great for the animals, insects, etc. But I was pointed out to a sweet gum tree, right? I thought it was a maple tree all my life, but it's not. And the range of colors that the leaves turn, you know, from green to purple to red to yellow... It's an amazing tree. And one of the tree tenders, Judy, pointed this out to me. And now I'm a big fan of the sweet gum. I just think it's a it's a neat tree. And I've always regarded it as a maple. So that's high on my list right now. But maple, oaks, and now the sweet gum. Well, and I will tell you, the easiest way to tell a maple is by opposite leaves. Okay. And if you take a look at the stem and you see opposite leaves and you think it's a maple and it has a maple kind of leaf, then it's a maple. Yeah. But if it's alternate... That's where it gets you. That's and that's gum. where the sweet gum is. And I would always tell my students, I say, okay, if you see what you think is an oak and take a look and see that it's alternate, then you know it's a sweet gum. See, I'm learning something every day. Thank you, Eva. <laughs> well, so are we. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us and our guests. And we wish you the very, very best. And continued success. And I'm going to keep following you and your teams to see how your progress goes. And it's very exciting for a town that I know so very well in my heart. Yeah, thank you. And I'm very appreciative of both of your work with this podcast. Climate change is the number one issue for most of us, right? Yes. We need to be dealing with this. And the simplest, most positive thing you can do is plant a tree. I mean, that's saying to the world, I care about our world. So the efforts that you folks are doing, I'm I'm really appreciative of because that's what we need to do. We need to get people aware of, be a part of it. It's quite simple and it's very inexpensive. So well said. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mayor Tim. We really appreciate it. Even Hal, thank you. I've really enjoyed this past hour. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. The Planet Trillion Trees podcast is edited by Andromedan Recordings in Hollywood, California. Thank you.